focus. Oh, oh my god, are you Kirk Cousins? That happened, guys. No big deal. Oh my god. Oh, oh, Stop, you can't. You can't go any further what yet. That's my favorite thing that happens during NFL games with Kirk Cousins. Everybody kind of keep your ears low. Kirk Cousins this. will be like, and you're like, uh -huh. <laughs> it's totally unintentional. It does There's, happen. It just happened. For some reason with him, you can always hear it. Like oh he just voice God. cracks or the perfect like third hut. It's just so good. Uh, well, that was an accident. No big deal. <laughs> Fantasy Focus. We're going to cut that up. Fantasy Focus presented by Geico. <laughs> <laughs> Geico see all the ways you can see. A lot, uh, lot of stuff to get into today. I can't wait to see that as a clip that's going to live forever. Oh, thank you, Stefania. I was going to do this whole thing. Bonjour, Stefania. Ça va? Bonjour. Comment ça va? Uh, what does ça that va? mean? How are you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah good job. Uh, You're fluent. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I am basically, I'm, I'm, I am basically Victor Wembanyama. Uh, now he's wow. the French prodigy French basketball, basketball player. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I don't know any of these references or speak French, so let's move on to the next thing. What, what foreign languages do you speak? I like? took three years of French in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I remember and zero you got words. lost on Bonjour. <laughs> I did. I got that. No, I got that one. Every I got that one. That was literally on your shirt. I was like, Comment ça va? You say, Ça va bien. Ça va bien. Ça va bien. Ça va. Ça va. And then you just talk fast and you move your hands. Okay. Yeah. You're good. Done. Come see, come see. Uh, yeah, very good from the control room. There. Someone's like, did I put the wrong like language on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? We are now captioning and subtitles. Yes, that's so good. We got a lot to get to today. We are going to talk about some news on today's show. We got a bunch of miscellaneous fantasy. We're going to dump out the bucket on our rankings. Miscellaneous Miscellaneous. Miscellaneous okay. fantasy. It's French for miscellaneous. And then <laughs> our good friend Liz Loza is going to stop by. Her and I are going to talk about a bunch of backfields, which is going to be a lot of fun. But let's jump in right off the top. Stefania, we have official wording on Kyler Murray that May he we? is officially done for the season. He is. Um, we, we knew this really yesterday. We talked about the video and how dramatic it was. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, it's rare that you see things on video where it's very clear. And it was uh, very clear that he had a shift in his tibia. And so uh, Cliff Kingsbury did say that while he confirmed that it was ACL and he's done for the year, that he expected to have a full report on the scope of the damage to Kyler's knee on Wednesday. So we haven't heard anything additional. It's possible that there's more involved. They also said they weren't going to put a timetable on this. He reiterated how people recovered at, at different rates. Um, I think they're just doing the right thing and trying to encourage Kyler right now because it's our job to look at projections going towards next year, but it's a long ways off, so uh, we can hold off right now. But whenever you have a late in the season uh, blowout knee injury, it's it's always concerning I, for the following year. Is there anything dumber than us asking? With the, like, he's out for the year. Who cares when he like? We th he'll be back when he's back. Yeah, it'll probably be sometime within nine to twelve months. Yeah, who gives a crap about time? Like, I get it during the season if a guy twists his ankle in week three. Right. It's meaningful to know. Is he going to be back in two weeks, four weeks, eight weeks? I just think who it's gives a, a crap. It's the like, natural follow up. Who cares? Everybody yeah. is like. Will he be ready to start the season? And we'll find out. Too early I, I, to tell. I know. It, it, it really, it really yeah. that's what the off season is for. But <clears throat> you know, and I think, field, you have met the one takeaway that we want people to have is it's roughly nine to twelve months. So good job by you. That I've that paid is, attention that, to you. Yeah, that and the fact that it's fluid. I need well, to know uh, where are you going to rank him next year? <laughs> I, wow. I mean, so. All right, just for those who are wondering, my 2027 Dynasty <laughs> ranks will be out this Friday. Uh, no, but more seriously, what I will say, like my one fantasy takeaway, and this is not specific to Kyler, but it's specific to every player that is coming back from an ACL injury uh, that is fantasy relevant, is like I will probably change my mindset a bit next year. I think that if Brees Hall had stayed healthy and mm -hmm, finished mm -hmm. off this season, he might be literally in the RB1 as in like number one overall player conversation yeah. next year if he continued on his current trajectory. I don't know where I'm going to rank him next year, but probably lower than when many others are rank him. Not because of anything he's done skill set wise. We saw it though with several guys this year. A lot of guys coming back from an ACL tear, whether it was Chris Godwin, who has probably been the best yeah. of those guys, Michael Gallup, Robert Woods, J.K. Dobbins, J.K. Dobbins, Nightmare like, Stefania. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I learned just, my lesson. So Kyler's <laughs> different. He doesn't play running back or wide receiver where you are asked to run on every single play. But Kyler is a running quarterback. Mm -hmm. It'll change my outlook. We'll cross that bridge, though, during when the offseason. And we'll have more content than ever on the focus during the offseason. Oh, yeah, we will. 
Yeah, we will. All right, Stefania, let's talk about one more, and I really don't want to talk about this one because Damien Pierce looks because like we won't have Because you know how much him. I love him. I know. Well, and you and this is all the very, rest of us. very, very hard. Um, but uh, high ankle sprain. We knew he had an ankle injury. Yep. The team has confirmed high ankle sprain. They've already indicated that he will be out this weekend. So just for making plans, Damien Pierce will not play this week. It could be beyond that, but all we know for sure right now is. Because I wouldn't be surprised if he's done for the year. Just put with the way the four team weeks is, left. what's right. the point? Eleven and one. He's got a high ankle sprain. If right. it's a two to three week injury, as it were, what's the value in week eighteen? Mm-hmm. So what do you have? Darayan Gumbawale as running back. What? I think forty one for me this week. Yeah, and I have like thirty nine. Okay, yeah, Max forty one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right there. Not great. I mean, here's well, the problem: is you have two guys who actually have like kind of a similar skill set. They're both like probably more adept pass catchers than they are like between the tackles runners. Uh, it's going to be a tough matchup against the Chiefs. They could be easily behind fourteen nothing before you know it. And there could be other additions. They, they, right. For all we know, they could promote yep. someone from the practice squad. Or they could Royce sign Freeman. someone. Yeah, yeah. they yep. could sign someone. You know, off the street right now as as a third running back here. So I'd try to avoid if I could. Definitely. One observation I'll make is they have a really high running back target share. So if they are trailing the Chiefs, maybe you know Dare has eight targets. Yeah. Like that would not surprise me at all. So if you're in desperation mode, you could take a shot on that with one of these guys. But again, we don't know. Which guy's going to get it all? And again, Freeman could come up. He's the biggest back. He could get goal right. line work, right? right? So again, avoid if you possibly can. You're we're in the playoffs at this point. Yes. You probably yeah. don't need these. You don't guys. need this. You are in the deepest of deepest stretches if you need to be able to come out. And, Although and I guess a lot of people guys. with with Pierce probably made the playoffs, right? I mean, that's a good find yeah. in the mid to late rounds, especially sure. if you drafted early. So. Uh, you know, you got to find some someone might need might be desperate for running back help if he's out. Only last news that I'll just mention, uh, and we'll get into a bunch of stuff in a second here. It's just that we're there are a handful of players that are eligible to return from IR either previous weeks or starting this week. Mm-hmm. Dallas Goddard, as an example, for the Eagles, they've yep. designated him to return effective today. We'll see. Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, we'll uh-huh. see. They still haven't had their practice yeah. window open. We actually have a little segment planned on this tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. There you go. All right. So, because I wanted to get a practice under our okay. belts for this got week. It. All right. Yeah. But, but uh, I just mentioned there are players. So, if you're looking at the are, waiver wire yeah. and you've got, if you're yeah. a team that's well constructed, you don't need two quarterbacks. You don't need two tight ends right now. You don't need two defenses right now. You have a player at the end of your bench who's no longer making hay as a fantasy asset. Feel free to look at some of those players who have some upside uh, if and when they return. 100%. All right, let's talk about our Week 15 bucket. Mike, I'm going to start with you because I was looking over our rankings. Our Week 15 bucket. Yeah, Week 15 rankings bucket. Okay. Okay. We're dumping out the rankings bucket right now. There it is. Okay. Okay. Um, There's a hole in the bucket, dear Michael. Dear Michael. (laughs) There's a hole in the bucket. Do you not? Hole in the bucket. Do you not know that? Nope. Nursery rhyme. Dear Liza. Dear Liza. Guys. Yeah, I uh, know, but uh, that. But, but how does it go? Right. over my head. Yeah, yeah I've nope. heard that, but that. How does it go? Are you ninety-three years old? Bucket. Dear Liza. Dear Liza. There's a hole in the bucket. I was thinking, like, uh, I don't know if you do this with your daughter, but with, with Kinley. So we have, like, she's she's graduated from the sink, to, like the human bathtub, and she <laughs> has these various cups. where, like. You put them, they have like a hole on, on the bottom, they have a hole on one side, they have a hole on all sides. It makes it fun, like bath time interactive, sure. right? I'm just, so that's what I thought you were referring to. Can Is we that, really quickly stop calling it a I sink and start calling it a, a dishes bathtub? Because you said he, she moved from the sink to the human bathtub. So I just want to go the human bathtub, bathtub and the dishes right, bathtub. That's, right. yeah. that's that's how we refer to them in this house mm-hmm. from now on. It's funny, but, we've lived in our house for like, this is two years, and it's like, we haven't used the bath until... Like, Until, I, was like, yeah. what? I was like, why do we have a bath? And I was like, oh, <laughs> now you know. Yeah. This yeah. is why. We still this been one time where I like, had like a significant fever and I was let me go break this fever within the tub. But other than that, it's just been sitting there. Just like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you, you bath, you bathe a lot? I, the, the, I enjoy a bath. Bath with oh, wine. Like gosh. Bath. With, with a glass of wine? Wine, the- candles, like that's it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm learning You know, it's like <clears throat> when you go to a spa, they are a nice resort. They offer mm-hmm. a bathtub is a draw. It is. I like hot tubs. I don't know. Yeah. A draw for me. Doing it more. I'll tell you what, James Connor is a draw for me in my fantasy lineup. Are you sure about that, though? Boy, well, you know, so this is a great question because, Mike, I was looking at this and I was like, James Connor, I have him. He's very much a starter for me this week. I have him as running back 14. Field has him as 11. But then I looked at you and you have him inside the top 10. Of course. Against what I thought was a tough Broncos defense. I started looking a little deeper. And I want to know why do you have him as a top 10 running back? What's not to like right now based on his usage and production? He's back. I mean, he's he's healthy. Exactly. When he's healthy. He is fantastic. Three critical words. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, look, 21 or more touches and 21 plus fantasy points in three of his last four. He's been a top five fantasy running back all three of those weeks. Top five, not top 15. But aren't or the Broncos top... a really good run defense? Uh, not really. Uh, <laughs> mid-pack against running backs, only seven touchdowns, which isn't a lot, but eighth most yards to running backs, actually. So really good against the pass. Patrick Sertan's been awesome, but running backs have done fine. And look, we're talking about James Conner now having scored a touchdown in four consective games i mean he's an rb1 and the way right now. it's he the is. way he scored the last touchdown that actually oh, got yeah. my attention because oh, yeah. i was like he's running really hard yep. you know and and uh yeah it just he he looks the part right now i mean good in the receiving game as well mm-hmm. another team that has offensive line struggles so there might be two or three opportunities per game where he gets dump offs so between the receiving game upside the fact that like nobody else is playing there I was the just going to say that, yeah. right now he is back to where they were as Mike referenced last season the idea which of- totally means by the way they're claiming Eno Benjamin back off the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. today please no yeah. please don't no. do that yeah, it's uh Keonti Ingram and uh Corey Clement Corey Clement yeah. they're, Corey back. Clement. they're running backs wow. they're not playing he's going to play 90% Blast of the snaps understanding Colt McCoy is under center here does that change anything with like fear that the you know Broncos nope. are going to try to stack the box feel like you talked about it yesterday where even with these pass catchers you know going not all a lot the way back all the way back, you guys may remember, I think it was a Thursday show because we had Shefty on it. So Mike mm-hmm. and Dan may recall this. When Kyler was iffy to play the first time around with the hamstring, he talked about, Shefty did, how like there are people in Arizona that feel like the offense kind of functions sort of how they designed mm-hmm. it with Colt McCoy. And Colt McCoy is not nearly the player that Kyler Murray is. There's a reason why one of them makes $46 million per year and one of them is a journeyman backup. That being said, as you saw on Monday night, with zero preparation whatsoever, Colt McCoy can function the offense. Yeah. Right? Like he can't run. Well, he can't run at least like Kyler can, right? But he's a serviceable pocket passing quarterback. He is totally capable for four more games back up to run the ship. And this offense, I think, will be more than fine. And Connor has been super productive with him under center in those three games, too. So I'm not worried at all about that. All right. Let's talk about another running back here. I know we were just uh, diving in on Kyler Murray. But, Stefania, I'm going to ask you about Mike White, someone that we like. He plays running back now? This is you, I think this is a Mike thing, isn't it? I only wanted to start with Stefania because if there were any updates on his ribs, that was all because it's the thing that we're looking at. No, and I think, you know, with today being Wednesday, first practice reports, we know that he's going to try to go. So yep. I would just assume that that's going to happen, but let's see what he does this and week. Assuming same yeah. thing, no update on Corey Davis, obviously, right. yet either. So, right. so although, interestingly, Robert Sala did say that they expect to have him Sunday, so wow. it must mean, even though he's in the concussion protocol for those, he, he left after, I think, nine snaps, or whatever it was. Uh, but the bottom line is, if you're thinking that that early, it means there's something in his what they're seeing around the building in terms of how he's feeling that is encouraging. Huh. Take it for what it's worth. All right. So before we get into this, so yesterday, producer Dave Presley said, hey, you know, like send us things you want to discuss. And I started to write my email and then I just for some reason something came up and I stopped writing it. And I had three things in mind. I come back and Mike Clay had responded. And the first two things that Mike said were the two <laughs> things that I had already had in my draft. So right, sure. So it was the Jets oh, wow. and what? Wow. And Geno Smith. And Geno Smith. Yeah. Okay. So what we're going to talk about tomorrow. Let's talk about the Jets, though, because on paper, as far as the passing game is concerned, Mike, mm-hmm. this is the best streaming quarterback option of the week, in my yep. opinion. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you on White. He's been pretty good. He actually has attempted 101 passes the past two weeks and has yep. no passing touchdowns, which is very fluky. That's but of luck. course, lucky. Yeah, yeah, they're facing Daniels, Detroit Lions this week, so we feel they're better. bad against the pass, right? They are bad against the pass. Yes, the most fantasy points to quarterback. So I'm with you. I think he's a, a fine streaming option. I've got him as quarterback 11. Uh, this is my I'm, Jared Goff. I'm back to where we were last week with right. Jared Goff, and I'm a pinch lower at 14, but I have no That's major gosh. qualms. It's a yeah. It's a, a good matchup, and you're gonna do a Kirk not, Cousins versus Mike White bet this week. Ooh, maybe after yeah. I dominated right. you with Jared you Goff scoring point four yeah, points I was more say, than Kirk Cousins. <laughs> we were, yeah, both of those worked out well. Quarterback but, uh, three and quarterback four. Yeah, pretty good, right? Yeah, I think we nailed it. I was, I was, we were both on Cousins. I was just low on lower than you by like three spots on Goff. I don't yeah, know why that became such a because you hate everyone's I had to favorite fight with Tyler team, about that on FF now. Like I don't know, but anyway. We, we just, I mean, the Jets are going to be the chalkiest team in DFS this week. Yeah, like it's, you want, Corey, here. for example, you want like, we want Corey Davis to be healthy and play and, you know, great for him. But also we're like, Elijah Moore has like 3,400 in DFS, like yeah. just across the board, this whole thing, Garrett Wilson, Bam Knight, Mike White, they're all, they're all undervalued in DFS and they're all uh, viable options in season long as well. Yeah, I think, and this just process here, right? Like random fluky things happen all the time in fantasy football. It's why we love this game or why we hate this game, but 
the worst pass defense to opposing quarterbacks in the NFL right now for fantasy football purposes. The Jets have legitimately good wide receivers. Garrett mm-hmm. Wilson's a star. The Lions have also been, as Daniel has pointed out five times over the past week, really good against opposing running backs. Weather's not going to be a concern. It'll be cold, but it should be a beautiful day down there in East Rutherford, New Jersey. All the signs of a game in which Mike White <clears throat> has another strong effort. Like, mm-hmm. And they're probably going to have to throw it because... The, the Jets are good on defense, and he's still throwing the ball 101 times over the past two weeks. The Lions are good on offense. This could be a game where the Lions get to 20 or 24 points. I feel like whenever White starts, it just turns into like a Tom Brady-led offense, totally. and they just throw it 80% just of the time. They don't care. Just like, doesn't matter. And yeah. he's, good. he's an effective... I'm impressed by Mike White. We all are. Yeah. So with that being said, then, yeah. I feel like I was looking at my rankings on BAM night, and I feel mm-hmm. like me having him at 21, and I'm not the Hello? only one, that feels high. High. That feels really high he's, to me. He's 10th over the last three weeks. He he's is. been really good. They love him. Uh, some, he's playing at a high level. He's yeah. been efficient. He's going to get 15 par- carries or so, handful of targets. Okay, so, so yeah, can I, I think that's fine. Yeah, they Let say me quickly you have say your some Detroit stuff. run defense. Is this where you're going? This is the Daniel? last six weeks. I just want to say this. Over yeah, the last six weeks, right? Aaron Jones finished as running back 29. Okay. Okay. In week nine. In week 10, David Montgomery was running back 40. Week 11, Saquon Barkley was running back 39. Week 12, Devin Singletary was running back 36. Week 13, Travis Etienne was running back 39. You notice how all these are starting in the 30s? And week 14, Dalvin Cook, with six teams on a bye, was running back 27. Like, if Dalvin Cook was running back 27, and no one else has been inside other than Aaron Jones, the top 30 in any of the last six weeks, I just, it's not about Bam Knight, because we love Bam Knight and all the things that you just said, but I feel like 21, with what this defense has done against better running backs, I don't know. I feel like I'm too high on him. I got. I feel like he's you know more towards the back end of the 20s. So for this me. is probably a good example of doing like a mini name game with yeah. yourself, right? Like who do you have behind him, and right. are you playing that player over Bam Knight? Right Great now? conversation. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's what. That's where I was going to go. Like you start looking at the guys at 22, 23, 24. You're like they're all in committees. They're not yeah. doing well. I was or say, bad like, is Bam Knight or? in a committee with <laughs> Michael Carter, or is Michael Carter officially? I don't think. I I I don't think. So. I think Michael Carter is going to get used, but I think Bam Knight mm-hmm. is is. He's stands like on his own. Yeah. Let's try and, and figure here's it. the other, th- here's the thing I will say that leans me more towards Bam Knight too. Just because Mike White, we've talked about how fantastic he is, but he's also dealing with a significant rib injury. So assuming he starts doesn't mean, go back to Justin Herbert, doesn't mean that Mike White is Mike White pre-injury sure. just because he starts. So do they lean on the running game a little bit more to offload him? Do they... The other possibility, you know, if he does get a pain-numbing injection before he plays, he might be really, really good to start the game. They might take advantage, come out very pass-heavy up front, and if they're doing well, they may move away from that and go to the run a little bit more, depending on how the game is going. But I, I would not necessarily anticipate, even if Mike White plays, that he can del- that he can throw as much as they've asked him to throw in the last few starts. That's fair. You're going to have a bunch of uh, conversations with Liz about, I think about backfields coming backs. up, mm-hmm. but just like, to, I don't want to spoil the segment, but just a couple of names as an example. Like, would you play Bam Knight over any Lions running back? Every Lions running back? Mm. Would you play DeAndre Swift playing 27 snaps versus yeah. Bam Knight? I think I have Knight just ahead. That's, yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. I, yeah. I have I Jamal Williams mm. who doesn't catch passes at no. all. Right. Yeah. Nope. I don't so know. That's so, the exercise you have to do is yeah. that you're right. They've been really good recently. It's a close call, and we might be too high as already back, already back 21, but I just think the players behind him, like, you can find warts on almost every player out right. of the top 20 at running back. Right, totally. and he has 17 to 20 touches in every game so yeah. far. You know, it's just when you get to a number like that, it's just borderline RB2 at worst. You know, it's just, it's kind of like ETN, right? Why, why do you still borderline RB4 at worst? I mean, based on the numbers, but I, I get what well, you're saying. So your guys. lines are oh, a wagon. Yeah, yeah, okay, you're, okay. Not, you're not considering your the fact that Bam Knight is, his name's Bam. Is, yeah, oh, that's gotta, right. Yeah. His name is Bam. That. So that does, that, part. that does in fact count. Let's talk about a couple other guys here. Field Yates. Yeah. All right. Let's move forward to the uh, Chargers and Titans game. What a huge game this is, by oh, the yeah. way. Tennessee. This is getting a little bit ahead of myself here, but there is a scenario in which Tennessee has a one game lead in the division by Sunday night. That's crazy. They're only up right now by two games over the Jaguars, who they just got whooped by. They play the Chargers on Sunday, and the Jaguars play the Cowboys. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. Dallas is very good to take a, it would be an upset for them to go there and win that game, but still. Um, and what wins out here? Because Derrick Henry faces the worst run defense, or at least other than the Texans in the NFL. The Chargers have been terrible, at least on a yards per attempt basis. They definitely were better this past Sunday night against Miami. I thought both teams kind of exceeded expectations defensively in that game. Uh, But they have just been an awful run defense for most of this year. Or 
to the Chargers just pass their way into oblivion because there has been, I mean, really not a better matchup of late than Tennessee's cornerback group, which mm-hmm. has been injured, uh, has been dealt with, dealt, has been dealing with injuries, uh, has just been not that good, frankly. Um, this could be a game where you have like two forces that kind of oppose each other and one of them will win out. I don't mm-hmm. know which one's going to be, but uh, a gut check game. That much is for sure for both sides, especially Tennessee. I've got Derrick Henry as RB5 on my board, but I have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams both inside my top 25. Allen, of course, inside the top 10 with that insane volume of 14 targets last week. Yep. Start them all. I'm with you there. Uh, The one thing I'll add on Derrick Henry is how about this? Season high five targets last week and Mm -hmm. Dontrell Hilliard is out, right? So Hassan Haskins has been injured as well. I mean, Henry's involvement in the passing game should be there again this week. So he's in a really good spot, whether it's season long or DFS. I mean, a little foreshadowing to CSS DFS uh, podcast tomorrow. Henry, a good DFS play this week as well. Gets the Chargers and then the Texans next week. Derrick Henry, two, Must be nice. two weeks in a row. Derrick <laughs> Henry gets great matchups. By the way, one more point. Uh, if if Jacksonville does get within one game of Tennessee, they play again. They play week 18. Yeah, week 18. Yeah. So that's maybe fun. Pencil that one in as your potential week 18 flex. Oh, yeah. Oh, right? yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I hope it's one game. I want it to come down to that because oh, Jacksonville's awesome. trending up. They look good. They're, yep. These keep getting better and better. Lawrence keeps getting better and better. They look awesome. Stefania, we have been talking about how good Christian Watson is, Field is saying. I can't take him out of my lineups with how good he's playing, but part of that I will not be. is at least in part because <laughs> Romeo Dobbs has not been on the field. Not sure how much that's going to impact Christian Watson, but is there any chance we see him this week? Uh, there is. I think that was that was my question. Is Romeo Dobbs was the darling of the young receivers mm-hmm. and the Packers initially because Christian Watson was hurt. He was hurt in OTAs. He wasn't uh, on the same page with Aaron Rodgers when he did start. Then he went out again with a subsequent injury, so he missed Christian Watson did missed weeks three weeks six and seven and then started to come back and Romeo Dobbs played weeks one through nine and was really actually progressing forward if you look at week eight it was his most productive week four for 62 and a touchdown week nine is when he gets injured he's been out with an ankle injury since then and then Christian Watson has really blossomed with Romeo Dobbs out of the lineup Christian Watson putting up over 100 yards receiving in two different games he's found the end zone he's clearly replaced you know it's like Mm -hmm. It's like dating, yeah. right? Mm, you know? yeah. <laughs> and uh, Aaron Rodgers and Christian Watson, the relationship has been, you know, pretty special for the last mm-hmm. for the last few weeks. So my question is, when Romeo Dobbs comes back in the back into the mix, does it put a damper on this special relationship? Is the new relationship? It's I say no. Yeah, I say, yeah, yeah. I say no. It's finally they finally have something good going in Green Bay, which had been a problem for them throughout the first nine weeks of the season. The skill sets here are fairly dissimilar, right? Christian Watson just blazing speed, one of the fastest players in the NFL already. I think that if the clock strikes midnight for Christian Watson on Sunday, Monday night, excuse me. I don't know that I think it will be more because just like it's really hard to score eight touchdowns in four games, not because (laughs) of anybody else on the field. So I still have him as wide receiver 29. As I said, though, my confidence or my likelihood of playing him is probably higher than it would be more. It would be other wide receiver 29s in a given week, just because I would feel like the biggest moron in all (laughs) fantasy football. If I sit him biggest. I'm already there. Though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Second biggest. I, I have, I'm still looking for that biggest throne. Uh, anyways, I would feel like an idiot if I sat him and he has another game where he just five catches or even four, like three catches for 102 yards and a touchdown. Marquez Valdez scantling his way, scantling ing his way into another top 20 finish. So look at the matchup. So here's what's interesting to me. So this week they played the Rams and I want to ask, you know, Mr. Cornerback wide receiver matchup. What happens? Oh, yeah. yeah. What happens? What happens with the Green Bay Packers and how do they play them? Because if you look at the next three weeks after that, Miami, Minnesota, Detroit. Yeah. Uh-huh. Very nice for well, Christian. Oh, yeah. Jalen Ramsey's. Oh, you want to take this one? Go yeah. ahead. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, yeah. We talked about this like a month ago. The Packers mm-hmm. rest of season schedule for receivers is fantastic. So uh, but look, I think this is how they're going to deploy him. Watson and Lazard on the outside. Randall Cobb's still going to be their primary nickel. And then they're Dobbs so, and, and Sammy Watkins will get a few snaps. I mean, Watkins barely been playing. There hasn't been a lot of room yeah, for the you kind of receiver. About so him. I don't, I, I don't and think side, you don't think, yeah, you don't think that Ramsey's going to follow Christian Watson. Uh, that would be no, 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 what they no, do. No, no, He's no, going to no, play no. his normal role. Ramsey does not channel yeah. full-time. He hasn't at all this season. And he also, I'm not sure, to be honest with you, if there were a player, like I'm not sure that he's the kind of receiver you want to have. No, right. no, he's catching yeah. three to four passes a game. Like it seems like Jalen Ramsey would be on someone that would get a little bit more. He's like, uh, he's not like you, know, you think about like some of the elite corners that have like tremendous speed in the NFL. 
Ramsey got very good speed. He's not like the kind of guy that you just stick on the super fast guy and say, you got him. Right. Yeah, and like Hopkins, Metcalf, he didn't shadow them full time. He leaned a little that way once in yeah. a while. And we're talking about your elite receivers in the NFL. Uh, who'd they play last week? Wait, I'm drawing a blank. who they just play? Raiders. I was just trying to think of that. Like yeah. he got beat mm-hmm. a couple of times. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. He's still great, but he's just not, <clears throat> it's not a dominant defense. Like it's been in the past where they've given up they're a ton of fantasy tired. production to receivers. <laughs> they might be, they've like had a lot of pressure. The on them. Right, I was going to say, it's got to be tough to be a, a defender on a three and. So what's the, what's the Lions? Stop it. As soon as I said it. Beady little eyes look at me and I knew I was in trouble. All right. Who's talking about Michael Pittman here? That's me because Michael Pittman, so we've talked about this over the past three weeks. Look at what opposing quarterbacks have done to that Viking second. Oh my gosh. It was Mac Jones, Mike White, and Jared Goff in back-to-back-to-back weeks throwing for like a thousand plus yards and lots of touchdowns as well. Those guys are all superstars too. Well, I mean, listen, they're all, I, I actually believe all of them are like in the right system can be comp, very, very solid quarterbacks, but that's a different conversation for a different time. I don't have confidence that Matt Ryan's going to go to Minnesota or sorry, host Minnesota. No, it is in Minnesota. It's going to go to Minnesota and just like light up that Vikings defense. It is not that year for Indianapolis, but one player within that offense can certainly have a very good game through the air. And I think that player of course is Michael Pittman. So does he have that get right spot? Because while the numbers aren't necessarily terrible, over 70 catches over 700 receiving yards for Pittman already this season, could this be a blow up spot for Michael Pittman? He hasn't had a massive, massive game in a while. He has over 75 yards twice this entire season. Oh. It hasn't happened since yeah. week six. By the way, he scored in week one, just one touchdown in Ugh. weeks two through 14. Obviously, they were on a bye, so I guess more like weeks two through 13. So is this the week that Michael Pittman gets back on track? You sure would love to see it because the stars have aligned as far as the matchup is concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two things. 7.9 targets per game, even during this slump, playing Minnesota. Yeah. Right? So you feel much better. You had me there, Absolutely. right? Yeah. yeah. When I look at the Philadelphia Eagles, Mike Clay, uh-huh. I notice that they've been playing really, really well lately mm-hmm. with a bunch of really good players. Mm-hmm. And there's a chance that they might get another really good player back in Dallas Goddard. Yeah, officially re- designated to return. Designated to return Doesn't today. Mean he's actually activated to the roster, but he's back yep. in practice. And that's what I want to ask Stefania because designated to return means that they have up to 21 days that to be correct. able to come back. But what does that mean for Dallas Goddard and fantasy managers this week? So his injury is interesting to me because it's going to be one of those. Remember what happened with Mike Williams when he came back and he landed wrong and then he left? Yep. I'm going to be concerned about that potential for Dallas Goddard because his injury was, this is the one we talked about in fantasy football now. Do you remember the big word field? Yeah. The fracture of his. It was um and, and glenoid. No, 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 it was something cl- glenoid. Something something glenoid. 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 It was glenoid. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Good job. Now where is the glenoid? In my, it's in my shoulder. It's in this area up in here, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's the socket. Oh, it's on the back it's the, side. Well, the socket. His injury was on the back side, which often happens. For the record, I'm side set, so I don't know, even get to see yeah, this injury. I know, when but you, you actually, about it. you did really well there because <laughs> you, you were even in the right anatomical region. But when you land and that arm gets jammed and it goes out the back side, it can fracture part of the socket. That's Oof. what happened for him. So the question is, how well has it healed? Well, typically we talk about fractures taking a good six weeks to fully heal, but you also can have a little residual instability there. We don't know exactly what that, he feels good. He's been out running routes. He's been out involved in drills in practice. So was Mike Williams. Mm -hmm. That's very different than getting hit, landing, falling onto that arm. So, um, I'll be interested to see where he's at. He may not even make the field this weekend. They may not activate him. Um, But that's going to be the test when he first comes. You're just not going to know. Let me ask you this question, Stefania. If you had Dallas Goddard on your roster, you were running that streaming tight end game up until the playoffs, and there was a chance that Dallas Goddard was going to play this week. They said, yes, he will be active on Sunday. Do you have enough information (sighs) as of right now to be able to say, I would roll with Dallas Goddard? It all, com- it. it all comes down to my options because... Uh, so, yes, you would start on this. That's the problem. That's the problem, right? Dallas Goddard is one of the few tight ends who's been super consistent when yeah. he's been on the field uh-huh. and he plays in a terrific offense. So, Mike. it'd be very, very hard not to, but I would totally be holding my breath and really nervous. Gotta that's, keep that's, watching. But that's what you would have to do. Practice reports, watching yeah. fantasy football now. If we'll he's see active, I'm going to play him, but I just don't want anyone to say, oh man, he went out after I thought he was fully healthy. This is that players, just because players play doesn't mean they're fully healthy. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And if, start out. if he plays, Mike Clay, I have him as tight end six. I think you also have him as a starter. Any questions or nervousness with how he will, not just Dallas Goddard, but how Dallas Goddard will then now impact the offense, knowing that Devonta Smith has looked really good while Dallas Goddard has been away. Yeah, I don't think they could score much more I did uh, than they have been. They have been I did yeah. scale back his target share a little bit. From where it's been, he was at like 21%. I knocked it down a few points. Devonta uh, Smith was at 21% or No, Dallas no, no. Uh, Dallas Goddard has okay. been. So just thinking maybe he's limited by a target or two. Sure. But he's still a mid-range tight end one, right? Like If he's active, I don't know how you you bench him unless you just so happen to have like a Friar Muth or a something like that. Like you yeah. just, unless you're in that situation, you're starting Dallas Goddard. But yeah, I mean, I think uh, maybe Devontae's targets come down a little bit. Quez Watkins played a lot more. They used a lot more uh, 11 personnel. His targets will go back down. You weren't starting him anyway, so I don't think it'll affect the offense much. They've, they've been too good. Too good. And someone that you, I mean, hopefully, I would love to have him back and healthy because he's someone that I could use in a couple fantasy lineups okay. here in the playoffs. And All right. he, you know what? Yeah, people probably dropped him in a few leagues. If you're in shallower leagues, he might be out there if you're in trouble at tight end, you know? So just take a look. Go out. Grabbed the one last night. Does not Both hurt to look. If you do need another tight end and Dallas Goddard isn't out there, there's another guy that we could at least look at. And that's Evan Engram. Is there a chance Evan Engram should be in your lineups this week? This was actually me. Oh, okay. And the question was not so much that, but it was like, who's the Evan Ingram? Oh, this who week? is the Evan Ingram, Ingram for your lineups? You know, Sorry, I remember last week we talked about Evan Ingram could be a good start. And then he like. And then what did he off. do, Stefania? 11 for 162 and yeah. two touchdowns. I mean, but nobody saw that coming. I mean, yeah, he was a good, it was, he was a good option, but obviously we've, talked ad nauseum about how the tight end position is just such a disappointment and outside of Travis Kelsey um, and Mark Andrews the first few weeks of the season there hasn't really been anyone that you can count on reliably so I tried to look at a couple of tight ends who you might be able to pick up because they're still available in a number of leagues if there was somebody you wanted to stream and here are some considerations um and Kyle in our note put fringe options, but honestly, who isn't on the fringe of the tight end position? They're all fringe, they're all fringe if options. Not Travis Kelsey, you're a fringe. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, I will say George Kittle's ticked up a little bit with Brock Purdy, so you know you, you like what you see there. But he's not he's not going to be somebody you're going to be able to pick up. Gerald Everett for the Chargers. Um, Tennessee allows the fourth most fantasy points to tight end. He was targeted eight times, so certainly from a target perspective, Gerald Everett mm-hmm. encouraging, but only. Five catches for 28 yards, like a very short passes. So it's not like you're looking for a ton of points. You're not sure you're, you're not counting on him to get in the end zone. The one who intrigues me maybe the most is Greg Dolchich. Now, I know that Russell Wilson might not play, but because of Cortland Sutton being out, he's been lining up as a wide receiver more often. And so he's definitely a volume potential guy. And I, I don't think that changes that much mm-hmm. uh, with Brett Rippon under center. The quality of the quarterback might change, but the volume yeah. doesn't. So he was wow. five. <laughs> Mike. <laughs> I mean, you can't make you it much worse. What, what's worse than last than offense? Yeah. Um, but I, I just. Relegated my, to the but, but, but Dolchitz has been targeted more. Eight targets yeah. last yep. week yep. as well. So in terms of volume of targets. Um, Great matchup. Taysom Hill is Taysom Hill. But, you know, I every lo- so often there's nope. a little spark. Yeah. I love Taysom Hill. Kyle's note, it says Atlanta allows the seventh most fantasy points to traditional tight ends. <laughs> I love that he said traditional just to make sure that we all just know. Just Taysom might be more of a running back. Like he's going to get the more carries because right. Mark Ingram's out. Right. <laughs> I mean, the, the point, Taysom Hill can touch the ball a lot. He'll get touches. Yes. And that's, that's, that's why you're using him, not because you're counting on him as tight end, but you would start him in the tight end slot. Yeah. So I don't know that. I would look to anybody to produce what Evan Ingram did last week. But if you're looking for somebody to start, you need, you know, you're swinging for the fences, as we say, because you're trying to make it to the next round of the playoffs. Those are some names to consider. Good options. 39 fantasy points Ingram had. That's crazy. Absurd. Last week. That's crazy. How? Like, he went, I, I tweeted this. I think he went from tight end 15 to tight end four for the season. Four. Yeah. 12 yeah. to four wow. in one game. Just, that Which just shows also you reflects tight end. how bad the position That's is. That's exactly right. right. Yeah. What do you think gross. the gap is? We're four, we are now 14 weeks, 13 games into the season. What do you think the gap is between Travis Kelsey and the number two scoring tight end? 104. 100 points. Oh, oh my gosh. I was going to say like... I can't believe you were four points off. 50 or 60. I can't believe it was 100 100. points. 13 
times six gets you to, is that, do I math right? Six, no. 18, they, they yeah, no, 13 no times seven. Yeah, it's like seven, eight seven, eight points Let me do better. it in French. Eight so you won that board bet? Below. Is that what you're saying? Uh, you won that board bet? You still have four games to catch okay, up. Okay, all right, come on, yeah. Andrew. So. We got this. <laughs> yeah. How many no, tight ends have Honestly, been? and I mean, you know, listen, it's it's tough. With It's just tough right now. It's always Travis Kelsey. Evan Ingram yeah. was the number one fantasy player last week, not just the number one tight end. I yeah. think that's the second time this year that a tight end has been the number one player in fantasy throughout a week. Because Travis Kelsey was because one I week, thought right? TJ did, Hawkinson uh, had a uh, 39 uh, point monster game. game. Uh, like was Taysom like number four. one? That Isn't, week? Didn't Taysom Travis Kelsey like, have a week where he had like three touchdowns? Thirsty Kyle, can you look up how many yes, weeks Travis has Kelsey a tight end been the number one overall player? On a Sunday night game, that was again somebody on Sunday night. I think it was the Chargers, maybe. I thought that was. I thought that yeah. was the tight end. Maybe that was Wait, it. Whatever. Yeah. We've had a lot of, we've had some whatever. good, we've had, always Travis Kelsey. we've had a few good Unless tight end games and the rest of it has yeah. just sucked. All right, yeah, let's, let's talk about more. And I'll start with this one, Daniel, is Justin Fields. And obviously, listen, you're obviously playing Justin Fields. That's oh, no mystery. Yeah. He's going to be awesome as you'd expect. I just really can't wait to see this matchup, right? Mike talked about this last week. Philly was allowing how many points per game to opposing quarterbacks? 10.5? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Some really ridiculous bad. Ridiculous number, like by far the best defense in terms of slowing down opposing quarterbacks. And that's in large part because you can't throw on them, right? They've got this amazing group of perimeter cornerbacks led by Darius Slay and James Bradbury. Can you run on them? And that we don't know because they've played two quarterbacks that can run a bit this year. Kyler Murray, who had four carries for 42 yards way back early in the mm. season. The game was actually very close. Philly won 24 to 20. And then Danny Dimes last week, who had 26 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. But obviously, Justin Fields runs way more design runs than either of those players. And he's definitely, I mean, he's, he's a better athlete than Daniel, than Daniel Jones. He's, That's I would a say, a better athlete than Kyler Murray. No, but Daniel Jones is a great he, athlete, he is too, a right? Athlete. Like he's yes, one of the yeah. top 10 best athletes at quarterback in the NFL right now. Justin Fields is probably number somewhere between it's him, Lamar Jackson, maybe Jalen Hurts for best athletes at quarterback right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so what kind of like, what does this look like on Sunday, both for Justin Fields and for Philly? Like, and again, I have him as quarterback four. there's not really any consideration to sit him. Just can't wait to watch it on Sunday. This would be a great test for both sides. I was just going to say that great test for the Eagles because they haven't allowed much to quarterbacks. The schedule has been pretty late this it season been, too, yeah. which has helped. So um, those two quarterbacks, you just mentioned Danny dimes who, benefited from some garbage time and also totally. Kyler earlier this season, only two quarterbacks to get to 16 points against them. So again, I think if you get 16 out of fields in this one, you're probably pretty happy, honestly. I, don't think, so, honestly, I think people are probably saying like Justin Fields is the best player on my team. I want 25. Well, I know they want week. that, but yeah, in this matchup, you yeah. look at facing the Eagles, that's tough, but yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm still starting him. Look, we, we could be talking about him as QB one, honestly, in a normal matchup. That's how good he has been yeah. against the Eagles. We're like mid pack QB one. So maybe avoid in DFS, but otherwise you feel good. Or you have to start. You have to start him. Even if you don't feel good about it, you can't yeah. not start Justin Fields. I want to talk really quickly about Desmond Ritter. We didn't talk about this a whole lot last week because the Falcons were on a bye, but Desmond Ritter is now going to be the quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons. And Marcus Mariota has gone yeah. on IR. He's gone on IR, a knee injury reportedly, but mm-hmm. it's nice, you know, to exit for the season for Marcus Mariota. So we, in other words, it's not going to be a question. It's not a week-to-week thing. This team is Desmond Ritter's team now for the rest of the season. Mike Clay with Desmond Ritter now coming under center here for the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, are you going to start so any Atlanta no, Falcon? Not right now. Not this week. Uh, running backs are a mess. They're using three Awful. or four guys a week. Drake London's been all over the map. You're, I mean, he's coming off a game of 10 targets, so that helps a little bit, but that was not with uh, not with Desmond Ritter under center. We'll see how good he is, right? We just we don't know yet what he's going to bring. Well, are they going to throw it more? Is he going to scramble a lot and really limit the volume, much like when Mariota was in, in there? So uh, we just have to see a playoff for a week. I would not feel great starting anyone, honestly, from I'm this not offense. playing anyone from the Falcons at all. I am totally with you. I'm excited, though, just towards the end of the season to see what this kid course, can do. Yeah. And, like, can he unlock something with Drake London? Does anything change with this offense because of it? Also, I, don't know. I just, this division is so bad, and yet it's competitive because mm-hmm. they're, they're all so the bad. They're all in the playoff hunt, and that's kind of fascinating to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's a big month for the Falcons because they have to see what they have in Ritter. If he yeah. comes out and he just lights it up, they might be like, all right, we could see, give him the keys next year and have a veteran backup, or they might have to draft a quarterback in the fir- early first round, right? So uh, it's a big month. Todd McShay's first mock draft is available, by the way, on ESPN+. Plus. We also had a show yesterday, if you want to go watch that on ESPN+. Plus. A lot of fun. We love draft season. Love, yeah, absolutely. love draft season. All right. We got one more thing we want to talk about. That's week 14 <laughs> buys. 
Who wants yeah, to dive into I, this? I think so, Field wants to take this. So as, as many people who are listening to this know, last week we had six teams on a bye. Yes, we did. That, of course, was also the final week of the fantasy football regular season. And I've gone back and forth on this in some ways because the reality is that if a player stays healthy from start to finish of the regular season, there is just one week in which he is on a bye. So whether Travis Kelsey has a bye in week four or week 14, it's still just one game missed. Yep. So on the one hand, having a bunch of week 14 buys maybe should not be that consequential. On the other hand, what I think I wonder is whether maybe the NFL is missing the boat a little bit with a huge portion of their audience who does love fantasy football. And again, I understand that there's only one bye week for each player. Mm -hmm. So I get it. If you didn't have Travis Kelsey in week seven, that compromised your ability to win that week in the same way that it did if you didn't have him in week 14. It feels to me, though, like maybe in week 14, knowing that there are going to be more eyeballs on fantasy football that week because it is the final week of the regular season, maybe it's logical to reconsider whether week 14 should have any buys whatsoever or having six teams on a buy. I tend to think there might be a solution here, which is saturate buys into a smaller number of weeks. And maybe rather than having weeks where it's six weeks on a buy, six teams on a buy, and then two teams on a buy. We just meet in the middle. Like, what if we did eight weeks in a row with buys in which four teams are on a buy mm-hmm. every single week? Weeks five through 12, five being the earliest, 12 being the latest, four teams per week. That means you have 14 games every single week during that stretch, and we're all good. I mean, I'm no scheduler. Easy. That sounds reasonable to yeah. me. I know there's all these things like London European games, mm. the, the way they follow Thursday games, Monday games, you know, trying to balance it all out. We can out. figure this out, though, can't we? Oh, we got brainiacs, like, don't like we? Above my pay grade. But I, I agree with you in the sense that week 14, I mean, look, it, I suffered personally with a bunch of teams where I had a number of players on by. And the problem was really, I think typically we most of us draft without consideration to buys because we're like, well, we can stream. We can do yeah. The problem is when you get to week 14, it feels like there's less options for mm-hmm. streaming. There's been more injuries across the board. There's a lot less of the good players Waiver available. Wire's been cleaned out. Yep. Waiver wire has been cleaned out. You can't make trades at that point. Like the, for most leagues, unless you've adjusted how you set your parameters, but there is less ability, I think, to recover from a big loss in your roster during that. Buy. Uh, I think, go ahead. Mike. I, I was just going to say, I'm not going to get picky. Just don't do it in week 15. That's all. <laughs> like, just don't do that. No, like, don't, that, don't affect the actual no. playoffs. I'm finding the regular season. Spread them out through the regular season. Yeah. I'm cool with that. Like, I agree with you. I'd love to see it more evened out throughout yeah. the season, four weeks, something like that. But if it, if we, as long as we max out a week 14, I'm fine. I don't think that. it'll ever be any later than that. Yeah. I don't either. So, I'm not I think they complain. are, I think teams have pushed back and said, hey, we don't want them too early. They used to do bye weeks back in like week four back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Week, like, that's that wasn't early. that long ago, actually. Wasn't that long ago? It was yeah, a couple that's too years early, ago, right? Yeah. Um, it, to me, it makes honestly like even if it was, I know six teams on a buy is a lot, but like it, probably for the players, like to be equitable to players, it probably makes sense to do four weeks where eight teams are on a buy at a time. Yeah. Right, like weeks yeah. eight through eleven, middle of the oh. season, eight teams on a buy That'll for four happen. straight weeks. TV. That would really yeah. TV. totally. Of yeah. I was going to yeah. say that would cut down. TV. We would have like appointment viewing because all the games would be able to watch because it'd be less games to be. Able, but like, yeah. I'm with you. Feel that this is one of those things. Again, if you had it happen this year, you needed to be able to make plans for your week 14 matchup. And even though every team had like everyone had the same number of buys, it just feels different it feels when it different. falls uh, in it week is, 14. I think, there, I think it actually is different because for the reasons I said, there's less availability of other players to to. Um, pick from and maybe I'm not saying it's not my fault to think of that ahead of time. No, it's never your fault. No, (laughs) ideally though, you've gone through and you've set yourself up with some good insurance options to find. But people are falling off. I looked at all the holes in the roster where there's IR, IR out, out. You know, so many guys who aren't available because of injury. I just think. You have to know there's attrition as the season goes along, yeah. so your ability to plug the holes gets. Less. I had to start Jared Goff this past week. Oh wait! Tough <laughs> wow. break. Oh wait! Congratulations! Loved every minute. Congratulations, of Jared Goff, this past week. No, that was that. Was, I'm, I'm kidding, obviously. Um, but yeah, no, week 14. Maybe we should not have buys on week 14. But that sounds like a battle we probably won't win. Nope. Nope. We're gonna do flex in just a minute. Okay. But first, but first, Geico asked, "How would you love a chance to save some money on insurance?" I would. Of course, you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help, like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV, even help with homeowners or renters coverage, plus 
Add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you can save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. We heard the people, and we know that Sunday morning flex ranks on FF Now is not enough. We got to do it here mm. on Focus too. They just love the segment so much, Field Yates. So that's right. I mean, well, you can't just like only lift weights on Sunday. You right. can't. If you no. want actual gains, you got to do it more than once a week. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be doing it here on Wednesday. Right now, we're doing flex rankings. We're going to pick five people, go down the list here for week fifteen. Okay. Rank them five to one. Mike Clay, I'm going to start with you. I got a okay. guy. I think I would just start for with. Clarity: but five being the worst. Five is the worst, okay. and number one is the best. Yeah, you'll so, know. You'll know who the worst is when we pick who number five is. I think off I, this list. <laughs> I, I think I'm pretty ready evident to pick it. Do we have the same number wow. five? Uh, I'm going to go Cameron Akers. Uh, we do have oh, the same number agree? five. Wow. You guys hate touchdowns, huh? <laughs> uh-huh. Three in his last two games. But how about this? In his last nine games, he has one receiving yard. Wow. One <laughs> wow. yard. Not one well, target. So isn't that, that one, an efficiency metric? That's right. One receiving bad. yard, but three touchdowns. Five targets. I was going to say, yeah. in, in Cam Akers' defense, <laughs> how many how many games were that? Nine? Nine. Five that's targets. One, that's one more receiving yard than Mark Andrews in that same stretch. Wow. <laughs> it just wow. feels that way. So start yeah. Akers over Andrews? Yeah, that's yeah, that's, yeah, yes, okay. Sorry, it just feels that uh, way. Not actually. Advice. Yeah, this is... Uh, Cam Akers is in the bottom of our Not a good situation, yeah. yeah. If you've been starting him, you're getting bailed out by touchdowns, no doubt about it. The Rams are dead last in running back carries per game as well. There's no volume there. Uh, the Packers have struggled against running backs. They've allowed third most rushing yards, so that maybe helps them out a little bit, but they're still using Kyron Williams. You're not getting passing down work. If he puts up a 12 for 36 game on the ground without a touchdown, it's right. going to crush you. Totally you, just, you don't feel great about him. He's a poor flex play. I'm with you on that one. I'm going to take the next one here, Mike. I'm going to talk about number four. When I look at these guys, in spite of what Adam Thielen did last week in getting into the end zone against the Detroit Lions, I'm going to put him here at four, and that's specifically because unless he gets in the end zone, he's not really a guy that I'm looking at as a flex play with no teams on by. He has been a outside the top 40 every single time that he has not gotten in the end zone the last three his last three games. Mm-hmm. So when I look at Adam Thielen and what this offense is doing, it's, it's running through Justin Jefferson. They're still going to get Dalvin Cook involved. So as much as I love Adam Thielen and what he's done, uh, especially last week. I think we got to lower him this week because this indie defense is also a good indie defense. Yeah, right? that's probably the scariest part of this because the volume has been rock solid for Adam Thielen. It's a good passing offense, of course. Yeah, it's a lot of targets, not much yardage. And of course, you mentioned the matchup, fewest fantasy points to wide receivers this season. So yeah, it, that matchup knocks him down a little bit. By the way, uh, Stephon Gilmore maybe shadows Justin Jefferson. That might open up a couple more opportunities for Thielen. But again, we haven't seen the yardage even when his matchups have been good. Well, and even- they haven't been afraid to use Gilmore throughout his career. Any team has had him on more of like bigger bodied players. Like we've even seen him like line up opposite Travis Kelsey in the past mm-hmm. no on occasion. Yeah. So it may not be the Justin Jefferson who is not small, mm-hmm. but he's also not dominant in terms of size. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they just go with whoever is opposite Justin Jefferson prior to the snap mm-hmm. covers Justin Jefferson. I could Jefferson. see that too. It's yeah. possible. Well, I think also TJ Hawkinson coming on has sort of like limited some of that role because TJ Hawkinson's a good pass catcher too. Anyways, Stefania, let's I talk wonder, about... I wonder why you say that. Because he's a good pass catcher. That's why. Yeah, he's your twin. He's other than that. <laughs> Stefania, let's talk about another person here on this flex ranking. The number three person for us this week. Where would you go? Which direction are you thinking? I'm leaning towards Brian Robinson. That's where I was going to go to. Uh, Brian Robinson against the Giants. Look, Antonio Gibson gets, to me, it comes down to who's going to catch the passes. And that's Antonio Gibson. Uh, the potential for Antonio Gibson to put up points in this offense is more than Brian Robinson. Robinson has had 15 or more touches in five straight, but I still think in this uh, in this week where it's so critical for you to make a good decision to be moving on in your playoffs, I'm not sure that Brian Robinson is going to give you enough of what you need. I kind of like him, actually. I'm a little bit more on the optimistic side. Uh, his targets are up the last couple of weeks. Which because a little it's bit. against oh. the Giants. And that's it. The that's Giants have, I used a stat on, on FF now on Sunday to support kind of Miles Sanders because there were some concerns about him as a borderline starter. The Giants have now allowed, after after Sanders and the Eagles this past week, 150 or more scrimmage yards to running backs in five straight games. Yeah. They are wow. brutal that in is... that department. Three or more touchdowns in two of them. I mean, they're really struggling. And right, and just getting, like, I've said this before with, with Sanders and some other guys too, just getting to like, Pacheco is another one. Two or three targets, mm-hmm. that's a it's lot enough. better than zero, right? At least if you're getting 15 plus carries, that's huge. He's had 20 or more touches in three of his last four, has Robinson. He's been getting better as the year has gone on, which makes it's sense, right? It's interesting because I have him in one team where I'm actually still in the playoffs, and I just feel 
Maybe it's my own bias because I don't feel like he's delivered that much for me. A lot of volume. A lot of volume. Yeah. Volume, nice is the next volume, volume is king. Yeah, this was probably this is probably the most coin flip ranking that we have within these five. Brian Robinson just ahead of Travis Etienne for the Jaguars against the Cowboys. And Etienne obviously has been back for two games since leaving that game early due to a foot injury, which cost him like what half of the game against Baltimore mm-hmm. in those two day in those two games since he has 16.5 touches per game. That's a pretty good number. Yeah, that's good. A total of 98 yards, though, and minimal Not receiving good. game right now from Travis Etienne, which just runs counter to what he did so, so well at the college level. But at this point, I don't think we're going to be able to turn the Jaguars on to making Travis Etienne a focal point of their passing game, which, by the way, is thriving by throwing it to everybody else right now. So the Cowboys defense, as we know, very good defense as well. Not quite as dominant in terms of defending the run as they are generating pass rush pressure, uh, but Travis Etienne, a guy who's seen his value dip over the past couple of weeks, he's right around RB20 for almost all of us mm-hmm. this week. RB18, I suppose, in the consensus ranks. So I almost feel like against that Dallas defense, he could actually have a little bit more success because I think Tra- uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to want to get rid of the ball quickly sure. and maybe some of those short passes to Travis Etienne actually allow him I to would. I take it. It's just been a while since we've seen him have a yeah. big receiving game. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm totally with you. I would, how fetch would that be? How Pretty fetch. fetch. Yeah. Fetch. Wow. Does Stefania not know that reference? Yeah. Apparently, I don't. Stop but trying to make fetch happen. Why does <laughs> it apply here, though? That's what I don't get. Um, Stop trying to make catches. Do you... What do you mean? Oh, get, the what? Stop, what you, I just said, I said it'd be so fetch. Yeah. Come okay. on, guys. It's just, a, it's just a pop culture about, reference. He thinks that you're talking about when you play fetch with your That's dog. what it yeah, is. That's what it is. Sorry about that, guys. I know the reference. I don't know what. Yeah. Obviously, Daniel and I are like the most in tune with taking place in pop culture. We watch Mean Girls like once every year At least once every year. That's that's like a sit down appointment viewing. All right. let's. I'm surprised you guys haven't seen Mean Girls, but we'll hash this out at a different time. I have ESPN. That's, that's why. You know what, Mike? He was that, that's from the. He was from that He's a good company man. It was on ESPN yes. last month. That was so good. Let's okay. talk one I'm more good. player I here. I think the number one guy for us is Chris Olave. When you look that's at the, the easiest part. With him and Cam Akers, that was, those were the two easy ones. The upside for Chris Olave mm-hmm. is obvious. Five top 20 finishes this year. Obviously, some struggles earlier this year against Atlanta. And Andy Dalton has not been fantastic under center mm-hmm. for the Saints. But. Skill and talent here with Chris Olave, the way that they utilize him, he is just the guy. I mean, it seems very obvious he's the number one guy. Yeah, he keeps on giving. Yeah, eight and a half targets per game. The one uh, potential drawback is Atlanta suddenly really good against receivers. Mm. I mean, they've allowed the fewest fantasy points to receivers over the last month. The Washington and Pittsburgh, I mean, they're pretty good receivers, right? At times, they've been really productive. Both of those groups have been held under 15 fantasy points the last two weeks against Atlanta. So with AJ Terrell there, they've been uh, back healthy. They've been much better. Uh, I could see Terrell shadowing uh, Chris Olave on the perimeter in this game. So I'm probably a little bit more nervous about him than usual, but he's their clear number one. It's hard to bench a number one. He's at least a good flex option. At least a good flex option. That's what this is all about. Good flex (laughs) options here, Mike. That's the segment. That's the segment. We're going to come back, talk with our good friend Liz Loza in just one moment. But first, I want to do a a quick thing where I tell you guys about Miller Lite. Mm, I'm thirsty. Me too. Somewhere in here in this group of papers. Tis the season, Daniel. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Tis the season to get together with good friends and great drinks. And that means tis Miller time. Sure, the holidays can be stressful. And by holidays, I mean the fantasy playoffs. All the more reason to raise a glass or a can to keeping things uncomplicated, just like our relationship statuses. Since 1975, Miller Lite has been the beer with the taste that you can depend on. No games, no gimmicks, just great beer. Not only is Miller Lite a great tasting light beer, it's also a great gift for the beer lovers in your life. And for even more gift ideas perfect for beer lovers, visit the Miller Lite shop at shop.millerlite.com. Their new holiday collection features everything from cozy beer-inspired holiday sweaters to drinkable ornaments for your tree. So this holiday season, tis Miller time. Enjoy Miller time with friends and family. Miller Lite, great taste, 96 calories. Go to MillerLite.com slash FFF to find delivery options near you so you can give the gift of Miller time this holiday season. Or... Pick up some Miller Lite pretty much anywhere they sell beer. Tis Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Liz Loza. Liz, so great to be able to have you here this week. Week 15. We're going to talk about a bunch of backfields, if that is all right with you. Are you still okay to talk about a bunch of running backs, Liz? 
I will talk about backfields. I'll talk about whatever you're finding fetch, frankly. Wow, Liz, thank you so much for at least downloading the show. Even if you don't listen, I appreciate that you download. Thank you so much. All right, let's talk about the 49ers, the Buccaneers backfield. Let's start there. They're taking on the Cincinnati Bengals this week. And this has been a back and forth conversation with Rashad White and Leonard Fournette for the last couple of weeks. Are you starting either either one of them? Are you starting both of them? Or are you starting neither of them this week against the Bengals? I think I'm starting both of them. Um, and here's the deal. We have Leonard Fournette on one hand, who's been dealing with lower body issues for quite a bit of the season, right? At least since the double-digit weeks. Last week, it was, a, or most recently, I should say, it was a foot injury. And yet, he is still, despite not getting a ton of rushing attempts, Lots of activity in the passing game. I think he's managed at least seven targets in three of his last four games. We do expect the Buccaneers to be chasing after the Bengals. I believe the Bengals are two and a half point favorites. So uh, not that big of a spread, but still we know how explosive Cincinnati is and the Buccaneers have been a little bit fizzly as of late. And so I think that Fournette's going to see a lot of, a, a lot of work in that regard. However, it's not like Rashad White didn't have a hero game two weeks ago. It's not like he's not seeing work in the passing game. In fact, both of these running backs are currently on the season within the top 12 in terms of receptions among running backs. So Rashad White is getting worked as well, and he's seeing more rushing attempts. Um Again, I'm wondering how much the foot injury might have hampered Fournette. And we know that he's not a, a wallflower. He's not going to sit back and be like, no, 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 it's cool. You just give the younger guy all of my work. So I think there's a little bit of um personality management happening mm. as well. So I don't mind using both of these guys. They're both within my top 30. And the last point I want to make, because I think I've said this on the show before, this time of year, it is cold. And when you are older, the cold is harder. And White obviously has the fresher legs, and I will tend to lean towards fresher legs, particularly down the stretch once we're in December. Um, just, you know, for context, both of these guys, um, well, actually say Fournette is almost 28 years old, and he has close to 1,400 professional touches over his career. White, on the other hand, only 136 touches and a rookie. Just something to consider. Yeah, I, I'm with you on starting both of these guys this week. There is enough pass catching volume within this offense. They're not able to throw the ball downfield. Something field has talked about a bunch, like the idea of Mike Evans and that deep shot with how bad this offensive line has not existed so far this year. And so knowing that both Leonard Fournette and Rashad White are going to get touches, not just in the running game, but also in the passing game. I'm with you on starting both of them here this week. They are both low end RB threes or low end flex plays for me. And I do quite a bit of personality management on this podcast as well. I don't know if you've noticed, Mike Clay has gotten <laughs> sort of out of hand recently. So I know exactly what you mean when you talk about personality management. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Mike Clay, um, he's, he's experiencing quite the glam up. He Not really is. Up, yes. Glam the glam up. up. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's earned it though. He's doing a great job. All right. Let's talk about the Panthers backfield. It's going to be the same kind of conversation. Are you starting one of these people? Are you starting both of them or neither? We've got Deontay Foreman, and we have Chuba Hubbard. Where are you at on these guys? I would prefer to start Foreman. Now, I know the big knock against Foreman is obviously a complete absence in the passing game. It's like the opposite of the Buccaneers backfield that we just discussed. But even though Hubbard is coming off of this excellent game and he was efficient in the passing game, remember Hubbard was a was a player who really struggled as a receiver in college, and that kind of stuck to him. I mean, it hurts when CMC is the shadow. That's the shadow you're living, you know, under. But we've seen him progress. He's become more efficient in the passing game. But Foreman is just a monster on the ground. Clearly, the preferred um, the preferred tack uh, back between the tackles in, in short yardage and, and nearer to the goal line. Plus, you know, when you're looking at this matchup, the Steelers are obviously easier to beat through the air than they are on the ground. However, Chris Wormley tore his ACL last Sunday at Baltimore. He's out for the season, which all of a sudden makes this matchup a little bit easier. In fact, I think Vegas has noticed noted it because the Panthers, believe it or not, are the favorites 
in this matchup. So I think, you know, it's not a widespread again, but I think that when we're looking at opportunities and volume, which Stefania just said is king, and she's absolutely right, Foreman is the back I'm going to lean towards. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I would start Deontay Foreman over Chuba Hubbard as well. The only thing to note is just like, and I think you mentioned this, the lack of passing game that Deontay Foreman gets is just unreal. It's literally... It's yeah. negative. What does he have? He has negative one receiving yards from weeks of eight through 14. So uh, that's not great. Uh, not any usage within that passing game. However, if he can get into the end zone with the amount of volume and usage that he gets in the ground game, I'm with you on starting Deontay Foreman. Let's move ahead and talk about this Baltimore backfield. I am actually really excited about this conversation, Liz. I have J.K. Dobbins as a low end flex play, and I don't feel super confident about it. We're like week one coming back. He was just uber efficient, but it's such a good matchup against the Browns. Where are you at on J.K. Dobbins? And this one is tough because if I'm being completely transparent, I have always had a soft spot for Dobbins. Frankly, if it weren't for Stefania's analysis in August, I probably would have drafted him a ton of places. Instead, I drafted Cam Akers, but Ooh. that's, you know, another story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I... I loved seeing Dobbins back. Now, is he 100% back? By his own admission, he is not. However, again, I am going to lean towards the fresher legs argument. Gus Edwards also did not enter the season healthy. Is also, I believe, three, he's almost 27, 28 years old at this point. Dobbins is no spring chicken as far as the running back market is concerned at like 23 or 24, but he has the fresher legs. He's been um, rehabbing, and we did see him look, again, not 100%, but maybe 85%, 90% back last week. And you mentioned the matchup. It's awesome. Cleveland has been leaky against the run. Remember the big Damian Pierce bounce back game that mm -hmm. Mike and I at least were projecting? I think you might have been on that bandwagon as well. Well, it was right, and that's because the Browns are particularly leaky um, when – opposing rushers up the middle between the tackles. And I think Dobbins can get enough work in that regard to make him a flex worthy play. Yeah. I think my only concern, I have him as a low end flex as well. The only concern that I have, there's no teams on by anymore. So we have a full gamut of running backs to our disposal. He's not a pass catcher and he doesn't have Lamar Jackson under center. So there are things working against him. However, he is still the guy in that offense. Outside of Mark Andrews, there is literally no one else you want to start. And you watched him have a really right. good game last week. And it's a great matchup against the Browns. So between those two things, he's at least worth a dart throw. It's not a bad spot if you need to use J.K. Dobbins. I would not use Gus Edwards. I'm only starting J.K. Dobbins here. All right, Liz Loza. Agreement. We got one more. Let's talk about Miami. All right. The Miami backfield gets the Buffalo Bills, and this is another really tough one because what do you do when you have a, a bunch of running backs in a committee that have looked good but independently of each other at different times now takes on a Bills defense? So this is going to be my neither. I don't really want to start either of these players. Um, we also expect, right, that Miami is going to be chasing points and having some things to figure out after the game against the Chargers, right? So... The, the Bills have like a top 10 rushing defense. I think they're only allowing 4.2 yards per carry to opposing rushers. Now, it is my firm belief, if we're looking at this backfield, that Jeff Wilson is the guy. And I have convinced myself, I have no proof of this, this is my own, my own personal analysis and rationalization, that Mike McDaniel decided to try to play some Shanahanigans against his old boss and tap Mostert, knowing that Kyle was familiar with both Wilson and Mostert. And that's what all of the, um, the confusion two weeks ago was about. And I believed it so much that I like wrote Wilson up in my props article. Things were going pretty well until he left the game with an injury. Now we are dealing with a hurt player and a player that I don't believe to be the anointed one in the backfield. So I don't really want to deal with it. Like I don't, and the matchup is bad. So I'm kind of leaning towards neither of these guys. I would, for instance, maybe flex J.K. Dobbins ahead of Jeff Wilson if I am pressed to do it. I mean, does that seem crazy? If I am going to choose, I'm going to read the injury reports and like probably lean towards Wilson's way. But the matchup isn't good. There's no clarity in terms of a favorite because of the injury situation. Yeah. Nah. No, I'm totally with you, Liz. I think you are spot on. And the call about J.K. Dobbins, I would absolutely 
out of all the things, the bad things that I just said, like leading into the J.K. Dobbins, I would definitely start him over either one of these Dolphins backs because I think, again, we saw him. He's, I feel like he's going to be more the guy. I, I just don't believe in Gus Edwards right there if, if J.K. Dobbins is healthy. We watched it last week with 15 carries for 120 yards. Unbelievably efficient. He's not going to be that efficient again. But against this Browns defense, I'd take him over these Dolphins running backs taking on the Bills. I just, I don't want any of it either. I want neither of them. Okay. All right. <laughs> Liz, please tell us all the places that we can find things that you do here at ESPN.com. And in case people only have seen you here on Fantasy Focus, which is a travesty if that has happened, where else can they find you? Well, follow me on social media. It's the same at all of the places at Liz Loza underscore FF. Um, and that's on Twitter and Instagram. And check out our Fantasy Improv article, which posts every Friday. Daniel and I do that together. My props column, which posts on Saturday mornings on the website. And of course, props on FF Now and on our Sunday slash Monday uh, podcast show. Heck yeah. It's a ton of fun being able to do this with you, with you, Liz. Thank you so much. One thing I want to add really quickly before we get out of here. Thirsty Kyle did, in fact, let me know. There have been two tight ends that have finished as the number one overall player in fantasy so far this year. And it is, in fact, TJ Hawkinson and Evan Engram. So I think Travis Kelsey's a scrub is what we've decided. That's how we have learned that one. All right. That's going to do it for our Wednesday show. On behalf of everybody here on Fantasy Focus, Field, Mike, Stefania, Liz, Kyle, David Presley, Earl, everybody that's in the back room that you don't even get to see. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We know how much it means to be able to spend an hour with us every single day. It, it just like it does not get lost on us. So thank you so much for spending time with us. Don't forget to love each other. Please Please be kind to yourself. You have earned it. It's okay to give yourself a break every once in a while. Today is one of those days. Make sure that you love yourself today as well as other people. All right, that's it. We're out. We will see you on Thursday for CSS DFS, a Thursday night football preview and a whole bunch more. See you guys then. He's a NASCAR guy with a base to try a leg for fans alive. Charges are off to a terrible start, but that won't change his mind. Matching up all the cornerbacks, touchdown regression and weekly stats. But if your team falls flat, he's the one to blame. He's a brainiac, brainiac on the case. That can put us in first place He's a brainiac, brainiac He's my clay Two guys drove to work Neither guy wore a seatbelt One guy got a ticket One guy didn't The same two guys drove home One guy wore a seatbelt One guy didn't One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.